Welcome to the Phil and the Kid podcast. I'm Phil Gardner. And I'm Spiro Brisellis. And today we're talking about why invest in real estate and butterbeer. What's up, everybody? Wagwan, <laughs> shut, no, we're not recording that. <laughs> that wasn't uh, really the, no. I think we could add no, this in. I, I think, think it's, it's going in. That's, I'm the editor. This is all in the podcast. This is how we're starting up. I'm cutting Spiro's entire segment out of the audio version. <laughs> the audio version could, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep this as PG as possible. Uh, yeah. No, it's okay. My buddy message mentioned that we were tagged as an explicit podcast and we weren't explicit enough yet. Yeah. For someone that he's like, you guys don't actually need to be explicit on your podcast like the the little logo thing because we're not like complete fucking assholes no, yet. it's true but i think we're warm my girlfriend to actually it. said oh you guys are a little bit too explicit into that i say fuck you <laughs> she's gonna yikes i don't think i'm gonna have a girlfriend we anymore. having some couch sleepings um, so uh, I'm I'm here with a realtor. Clearly, I'm a realtor. Yep, uh, new Phil and the Kid branded. Oh wait, no, not this one. This is this is just the Spiro branded stuff. Yeah, this is my brand. The Phil and the Kids. You you didn't want to do this. You no, were too I, I feel like he's a little bit of a douche. I mean, comment down below if if he's you know. Oh my God! Don't a say little that. Bit of a, <laughs> no, please God, I want to see the comments. Oh man. <laughs> All our 40 followers. This will tell us me. who actually watches the show. This will all my friends <laughs> Not, will make it through two minutes. Yeah, hopefully. See, and that's if they get if they get here, then they're going to comment on me being a douche. Yeah. Nice. Because they know you're the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, so aside from douchebaggy realtors, what's <laughs> going on? <laughs> what right. uh, what have you been up to this week, Mr. Realtor? Well, this week I actually held my meetup event. I spoke mm-hmm. about it in the. Was it the first episode? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I held another one this week. It went really, really well again. Uh, it was even better than the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one we went to CIBC and uh, they sort of uh, helped us out there. But this time I wanted to do it solo. So we did it at the office. It was great. We had a great turnout. Um, a lot of people came and everybody was super interested. That's what That's I really good. liked. But everybody was really into it, asking questions and engaging. So it made it way better. So mm-hmm. like, you know, when, you, when you're talking to people... It's like talking to you know grade three class and everybody's just sitting there staring out the window, just whatever, listening or just not listening. listening. Yeah, it, it wasn't like that. Everybody was really into it. It's good, and it made it a really good time. Uh, yeah. Spoke about the Burr process, um, nice. different investment tips, what to look for in properties, uh, the easy hacks like flooring and paint and cool. wall placements, adding rooms, what to you know stay away from you know big projects like terrible roofs. Kind of sometimes you don't want to. You don't want to take on that risk unless mm-hmm. you are, you know, into that risk. Yeah. And also, if the price is right, it, it all comes down to that initial the B and the bird process buying yep. the property. I feel like you should maybe explain a little bit for those that don't know what uh, very high level. What's the what is the bird process? Bird process is practically uh, what what we do in Toronto. And uh, I mean, if you watch bigger Pro- pockets and uh, other real estate podcasts or read into real estate investment books, that's. Uh, pretty much the strategy that they all use. They might call it something different, but mm-hmm. uh, BRRRR stands for uh, buy, renovate, rent, refinance, and repeat. So the repeat part is where you reap the reward in the end. And uh, that all comes down to that initial B, that buying. Uh, that's where you make all your money. Um, and that's where you can turn a project from good to great or from great to good. But both are both are good. At yep. the end of the day, you know, uh, there's an analogy they use out bigger pockets, which is... Uh, you don't want to. You don't try to hit a home run every time. You try to get on base. Yes. If you get a, on base, it's perfect. You hit that single, double. That's that's really good. And sometimes you're going to make great contact and hit a home run. So that B, that initial B, is the most important part. And that's what I. That's yep. what I stressed at our meetup. Uh, it was interesting because a lot of them, I've never heard of this before. And there's a couple who are very familiar with it. Mm-hmm. So it reinforced them and their uh, their knowledge of real estate and the others it introduced them to this whole new world and whole new concept of investing. Yeah. For the, for those that don't know about the idea of potentially refinancing a property to pull out the funds that you you put in and forced a little bit of value in during your renovations, let's say, and then leveraging that to do a, another property so quickly after. When you I remember first hearing about it it was like mind-blowing. Like there's to me why would I do any other strategy, right? But that's a whole podcast in its own, and I'm sure we'll get there in the near future. 
we we could talk about that now, but let's wait a couple episodes. Um, yeah. Kind of talk about more of the basics before we dive into yeah, the a little bit more advanced nitty gritty. Yeah, but but yeah, so that's what the uh, meetup is. I, I like to just uh, I'll take people through each step. So I start with uh, what's your first step? As we both know, a client's first step is to get pre-approved. You know, you, you can't start looking for properties if you don't know What's your what, budget? what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, it's just a huge waste of time for realtors and yourself. Yep. Uh, so I, I that's what I advise them to do is save some money, get pre-approved. Uh, once you get that, you know your budget, you know what you're looking for. And then going forward, the process of uh, buying and so on and so yeah, on. Yeah. Uh, talk about realtors too a little bit, what to look for in a realtor and uh, what who you want to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another thing. We, we spoke on it in the first episode a little bit. Uh, they're different realtors do different things uh, and they offer different uh, you know benefits and have different backgrounds. Uh, as we've stated, we are yeah. mainly in the investing industry. Yep. Uh, so we're really good at that. That's why we like to work with investors and that's why they like to mm-hmm. work with us. Like yep. you were saying, how many... People just came up to you saying that uh, they, they like the services that you offer. Oh, yeah. To, you know, that's it. I mean, it was quite a few. Just given that uh, it's a totally niche service, right? It's not we're not your your everyday everyday agent. And we have uh, have a different background that focuses on, you know, finance, economics, investments, th- those types of things. It allows us to provide a lot of a, a different value to our clients and which in the case of an investor is the value they're looking for, right? That's actually a question that came up. Uh, somebody said, what's in this for you? Because they kept asking me, what's the catch at, mm-hmm. at the event? Uh, most events they go to, they either charge or they're like, come to our seminar, that's $10,000 or right. sign up for our $500 a month plan and we'll yeah. help you get there. And they were kind of fed up with that. So I think they were all skeptical when they yes. came uh, to my event. Mm-hmm. So they kept asking, what's in this for you? What how, do we have to do? How do you make you? money for doing all this extra work? Yes. Right? And, and that's what I told them. This is just extra work for myself. I'm getting better at public speaking. That's something I like to do. Mm-hmm. I get to teach people something that I believe in, which is at the end of the day, what I love to do as yeah. well. And also, I could gain a new client or two. And, and the clients that we gain aren't one-offs. They're yes, kind of long, long-term. Yes. I mean, it's a quality relationship, right? I would, I would, again, personally, this is, just, this is just me, one agent speaking, but I would rather have a very strong relationship with, let's call it 10 to 20 investor clients that I'm going to be doing repeat business with, people that I would you know go out and have a beer with kind of thing, uh, as opposed to a very limited relationship with the hundreds and thousands of different people that are yeah. going to be doing one listing or one purchase every 10, 20 years with you. Right. It's a whole different a much model. Deeper trust and relationship with your clients this way. Yeah. A lot of our clients right now are very close to us. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, one of the attendees at my event, I had a long discussion with him, really nice guy, uh, came from India and, uh, you can tell he's going to be very successful successful Mm -hmm. Uh, he knew what he was talking about did a lot of research and and is continuously learning and he was really into it i I put up goal setting so i started off the meeting with people setting their goals 20 years one year one month one week gotcha Uh, it's the best way to start anything you know your goal is to be in the nhl or nba yeah you have to start with you know yeah that's your goal okay how are you going to get there i need to train five times this week or whatever it is same mm-hmm. goes with real estate. So my 20-year goal was 20 properties. Right. And he was like, I want to up that tenfold. I want to get as many as possible. And I was like, I like the way you think. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had to keep it at 20 because some people think 20 properties in 20 years, you're crazy. I, I right. could barely afford one in 20 years or two. And some people think like he did mm-hmm. where that's nothing. So it, it's about, I, I think, knowledge. The more you do it, when you when you open your eyes to it, that's the big thing is opening your eyes to it, seeing how a deal's done, which we will get to in another episode, breaking it down into deep detail. This one, we might skim a little bit of it uh, just as a primer, but yep. we'll d- dive into deeper detail as we go. Cool. So yeah, so the meetup went really well. Um, I had an open house. It was really, really good. A uh, few people came. It kind of sucked on Sunday. Rain. Yeah. yeah. So the rain, it's always tough for open houses. I don't blame them. I don't want to be I wouldn't want to be going out yeah yeah so I just ended up watching Sunday football pretty much at the open house but on Saturday it was really busy and and, uh only good feedback that's good that's good all right it was a good time um also uh it was nice last week I got out to a school reunion with some of my friends went back to Waterloo Mm -hmm. University Town we went out one night and 
it was nice to see everybody. Haven't been out in a while. So cool. it was, I found myself in the club uh, <laughs> on LinkedIn. <laughs> I pulled out my phone and I was just like, okay, let's, let's see who I that's can it. match with. Try to network myself. That was pretty fun. That's how I knew. I was like, man, I'm getting old. This, this is, is, that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, I need to get out of here and get back on social media. No kidding. That's hilarious. How about you? What did you do last week? Uh, last week was a good week. We had, so we'll, um, we will start, start strong. I bought a property last week. That's, uh, what? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Talking about one, one a year. That's been my, my one for the year. We had a bit of a rough start with, um, yeah, you had property. a lot of issues that popped up before yeah. that with other properties. Yeah, I had, had one that we firmed up on uh, earlier in the year. Maybe I talked about it in an earlier podcast, but that we ended up dropping because of slew of title issues. I will maybe get into that on a deeper dive on another one. But this we found last week, um, usually, you know, kind of the typical model in our neighborhood. Found a, it was listed at, uh, I guess I'll talk about the numbers. It was listed at 640 and with an offer date, right? And we know with an offer date typically means they're expecting multiple offers. They're going to end up selling for higher. And I, I saw that it was relisted or the, the, it was still listed after the offer date, right? And typically that means either nobody wanted to offer on the property or the, the seller didn't get his price, his or her price. And in this scenario, what they would typically do is bump the price higher to what they want, Right and then start working down from there instead of up with the offer date. In this case, they didn't change the price. They didn't sell an offer date. They left it listed. They removed the offer date in the in the broker remarks of the listing, and that the price didn't change at all, which to me was a little bit weird, but it was a good property, so it was then worth looking into. So uh, I guess Friday of the following, uh, of the previous week, we went and took a peek at it in the afternoon. I, I spoke with the agent. I said, hey, what's the, what's the game plan here, right? What's going on? Why have you not bumped the price? He said, My, the sellers just want to hang out for, for the weekend, see if they can regenerate their multiple offers. And if not, they were going to relist for 680 the uh, the following week. They had had offers. Some of them were firm, but they weren't at the price they wanted. One of them was, was very high in the 680 range, but it had an inspection condition. And even though the property wasn't in that rough shape, for us, we can go through a property and know at this point, right, we've done so many that the property is going to cost us X to repair. And if there is some things that come up in the inspection, we can place contingencies on that, right? We actually look for properties that do need a lot yeah, of Yeah, I want to see a something. property that needs repair, right? And uh, I was able to, I know the seller didn't want to deal with too much back and forth. It was a first-time home buyer, so they didn't want to deal with them potentially backing out of the deal and them having to go through the whole process over again. So they actually didn't accept that offer. Uh, to me, a little bit weird, a little interesting, but it worked out okay for us. We were able to go in in the afternoon, the day after it was kind of relisted, brought our contractor through because he does a lot of work in the neighborhood. I said, hey, why don't you just swing by? It's five minutes from your current project. Give me a ballpark estimate so I can then make a better decision, an educated decision on how to make the offer, right? We uh, we went back in. We, we put an offer in at asking with no no inspection clause because I know he wanted it, but I wanted my finance, my out, if I needed it. So we put an offer in at asking with a finance clause. Told me to fuck off, reasonably so. Put it, we bumped it up then. We went back at uh, 655, 15 grand above asking. No other people on the table here. Told me to fuck off a second time. I said, okay, dude, what, what's going on here? I've got a, I mean, we're going back and forth and I'm, it's hard for me to justify going above asking. And at this point we had, um, we were doing it through a client. So I had a joint venture partner who was going to take title on this. Um, and we were doing it basically saying, Hey, listen, how, how can I justify going up in price when there's no offer date? There's nobody else I'm competing with. I'm already 15 grand over asking. And he kind of gave me the hint that, Hey, listen, this guy just wants to hit his price and, and be done with it. Right. So we went back and I got the feeling the price was in the 670 range, I might get a sign back if I went to six or uh, six six sixty five. So we went. We just went at six seventy one. They accepted it like that. No no sign back. No fight. No problem. Uh, went through. So hold on. Say that again. How much? Uh, six seventy one. Six seventy one. And that's in Toronto for a property in Toronto. In Toronto. Yes. Semi detached. So hold on. Story. You're telling me <laughs> that you can purchase a property under a million dollars in Toronto. It is possible. Really? Believe it or not, it's possible. Is this on the outskirts of Toronto? It's not. It's not even. Downtown Toronto. It's not sketchy. No one's been shot there recently. Yeah, it's it's (laughs) driving distance. Like I say recently. (laughs) (laughs) Like potentially No one's been shot there that I know of. There's an elementary school across the street, so it's probably pretty good. good. Three-car parking. 671. 
Yeah, it was uh, it was not a bad not a bad deal. Six seventy one. I'm not promising that to everybody. Seventy one thousand. But it's yeah, it wasn't wasn't too. You know, you can buy properties like that on the outskirts of Toronto. Yeah, but you can also buy them closer to the core. Not in the core, but pretty close. You know, central. There's there's condos going up in the neighborhood. There's an LRT going up pretty close by. That's a good purchase. Yeah, I I, th- I seem to think so. My partners on the deal seem to think so as well. Six seventy one. So that's that's the number. <laughs> so you can do it. I just I keep stressing re- reiterating yeah, this because for a, a lot of people think it's a million dollars is the number or nine hundred thousand or one point three six seventy one. Six. If you want to be bougie, six seventy one. Okay. Okay, let's move on. Let's get carrying on. We're carrying. Well, I'll tell you when we refinance the property what that ends up looking like. Ooh, that's <laughs> exciting. That's where you want to hear the million yeah, yeah. dollars. Unfortunately, that is not going to be the case with this one. But, ah. you know, we can help. We can help. So, yeah, firmed up, uh, firmed up on it last week. Uh, we're doing a joint venture structure with that. So I've got a couple partners on that uh, on that deal. And one day I'll dive a little bit deeper into that as well, how we how we end up doing that deal. But I'm sure in the coming months there will be lots of videos, lots of walkthroughs showing the entire process of uh, of that deal on our YouTube page and shared amongst our social media for sure. Yeah, so let's just plug that in actually. Uh, we haven't told anybody yet really, mm-hmm. but uh, we're going to also be posting weekly walkthrough videos on our YouTube channel yeah. and on uh, Instagram and other social platforms. media platforms. LinkedIn, Facebook, LinkedIn. Yeah, I love LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be posting walkthroughs of some of the current projects that we're doing yes. and uh, potentially other things too, uh, day in the life of us, just following us around for a bit. Uh, they shouldn't be too long, the videos, but yeah. uh, something to Ten look minutes. forward to. And, and then you can actually get a visual representation of what re- we do. Yeah, you can really see the life cycle of one of our projects, uh, m- multiple of our projects. Um, we'll you know see how much we can compete with HGTV and give you real information. Yeah, real information, not just, wow, <laughs> amazing. I bought it for this, <laughs> and I renovated it for this, so therefore this is how much I made. <laughs> I, I didn't HGTV. pay a lawyer. Yeah, come on. I didn't pay financing of any. <laughs> the goal is to end up there one day, maybe. <laughs> yeah, okay. You're going to get Brian Baumler and Spiro Brisellis. <laughs> Leave it to Brian I, and Spiro. I, I apologize to any HGTV executives. Yeah, sorry, Scott McGilvery. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Property Brothers. One day I want to be a guru like Scott. Yeah, Scott's, Scott's the man. It's all over Facebook lately. Really? Yeah. I'm getting his guru campy Oh, he stuff. has those guru camps? Yeah. Hey, let's get them on the, him on the podcast. All right. If you, if you know Scott, if you can hook up, hey, yeah. went, he went to Guelph. He got his uh, real estate business, real estate degree or something. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I looked into him. He started buying properties when he was like 19 or something like that. 20. That's the move. Yeah, well, if that, you can afford it. That's the move if you were 19 in Guelph. Yeah, if you're a farmer. Long, you, I don't even know how old he is, so yeah, he's probably in his math. 30s or something, yeah. 40 maybe. I don't know. But Anywho. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Tangenting on, um, <laughs> what else work related? We have a listing coming up in Whitby, so that's that's kind of exciting. Uh, had the tenant move out earlier last week, so I got the joys of going there to to the deeps of Whitby late on a Tuesday evening <laughs> to see that this this, this tenant left. God, heaps of garbage. Uh, garage is full. Bags everywhere. They had a pool, like old, you know, those above ground. Nice. legit pools with you know hundreds of gallon thousands of gallons of water in it they just left it uh, they probably had like four or five inches of water left but like where they left go? the pool in the you backyard drain it in the backyard slowly i or? think the uh the client in that one he's just gonna go do the junk removal himself him and a buddy were going over to to take all the trash out but contractors got started on that one today we're doing a really light renovation kind of flooring paint light fixtures just freshened up getting ready for market and that should be uh should be listed early Early October. Not bad. Whitby Townhouse. Pretty so good. that's that's a that's a work in progress. And then I mean the weekend we speaking of Guelph <laughs> <laughs> went out uh, went out to Guelph. Uh, wife and I had our first babysitting experience for our niece and nephew. Yeah, to see Scott. <laughs> I went to Guelph to meet Scott McGilvery on a Saturday for shits and giggles. You were so you were babysitting, is that why I hear some sniffles? Yeah, no kidding. A little I, I don't know, maybe they were sick, maybe Billy was sick. It's probably <laughs> Billy's fault. <laughs> <Billy>. <laughs> For those of you but, who don't know, Billy uh, works at the office. He's another, one. another, another one of our killer agents. Yeah, but uh, and he's also super jacked. Yeah, well, we'll have him on one day, and he'll take up this entire screen. <laughs> yeah, his pecs will be like here. here. <laughs> <laughs> he's a big boy. Yeah, yes. Um, so yeah, we got our first uh, first babysitting experience. My, so do you have baby fever now? Yeah, I can't confirm or deny. Oh. Um, okay. Our ne- our nephew is two. He's. Uh, 
Is that not the terrible that, twos? It is the is range. He was pretty good, actually. He was very mm. good that evening. But like, and um, Mr. Niece and, and Goddaughter is four or five months, I think, at this point. Mm. And we we learned really quickly how the project management skills that you develop watching children. Oh my God! When there's a thousand and two dogs on top of that, plus ordering pizza and putting a kid down and heating up milk and having the doorbell ring and then the dogs start barking and the one kid starts running around and then the other kid wakes up and you got to take the milk off the stove and oh wow it was it was an experience i i am yeah big big praise to all the parents out there <laughs> cuz that is work um anywho that was basically my week why don't we i'm just going to check something you can keep take on. off our headphones and no, i'm just going to go take a shit something. in the middle of the podcast <laughs> like no, no, no. Just keep going. It's my my co-host is co-host. Eh. Co-host, co-host is fucking off. Oh, I'm back. I'm back. I just had to adjust something. Okay. <laughs> and we're back in the booth with Phil and the, the pig. I mean the kid. Phil and the realtor. I'm a realtor. <laughs> I'm, I feel like that's what I should end off all my videos saying. Like, I'm, I'm a, a realtor. You know, what's that? What's that? TMZ. I'm a lawyer. Yeah. Is that what he says? I don't know, man. Come on, TMZ, man. Chloe Kardashian. Because that's <laughs> she's coming to Toronto. <laughs> You want to meet the most humble of humble? Is that oh, it? Is that is the that, most down to earth? Down to was earth. The most down to earth. Thank you, Blog To. <laughs> the most <laughs> down to earth of the Kardashians is in Toronto on Wednesday after this is recorded or before this before. is recorded or released. <laughs> yeah. When it's want. recorded, before it's released. So it doesn't matter. Y'all go miss Chloe. Yeah. If you want to see her, Hudson. <laughs> Hudson's <laughs> the I don't know why uh, this is so funny. Uh, Chloe uh, Kardashian. <laughs> Okay. Let's I love get... you, Chloe. <laughs> okay. okay. That's enough. Let's get let's let's actually get to the point of this podcast now. <laughs> oh Ooh. fuck. All right. Uh All right, what are so we talking about today? Why about... why you want to invest in real estate, right? Why why is real estate as an <laughs> asset class a good idea compared to your stocks and bonds and ETFs and mutual funds and gold bars and cash in your bed mattress whatever. especially cash in your bed mattress, mattress. <laughs> especially the mattresses for sitting on cash like yeah. I, I can't stress this enough that's probably the worst thing you can do why don't you mr economist for a second talk about what happens <laughs> when you're sitting on cash and inflation starts to be a thing your cash is worth worth less <laughs> than it's worth less than what it was before there's no point of doing this it, it cash that's not being used to do something is hurting you and it's just going paper. down it's in literally value. just paper. So what you want to be doing is spending all the cash you have on different things. Like so buying Phil and McLaren. No, uh, sorry, never no, mind. Probably not that. Okay. Buying a property in Toronto for six seventy one. That's the one. That's, that's, that's what you want to be doing. Be or other things, on. but you want to constantly keep spending it. If if you leave your money sitting investing there, investing it, not investing. spending it. Well, spending too. It, if you're gonna sit at home and be like, I have forty thousand in the bank. I mean, that's a number. I'm just pulling out uh-huh. whatever. Great. Who gives a shit? Nothing, <laughs> literally nothing's happening. Like you're not doing anything. Yeah. You want to be doing something with it. Go yeah. buy yourself a pair of shoes. Who who cares? It's better than doing nothing. That, that's a dicey topic I'm in my all, house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another Stranger Things edition. What do you wear? No, today? I got oh I got my oh, Gary V's on. V's. I'm sh- I'm taking them off my feet this time. <laughs> okay. I'm not uh Okay. I'm not gonna put my feet up on the table, however. Look at that. KW004s or GV004s, sorry, the K K Swiss, <laughs> Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk, positivity and optimism. <laughs> what a wonderful shoe, folks. Yeah, this is what he spends thanks, money on. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> okay, maybe don't buy shoes. Just save your money for real estate or other yeah. investments. But in an overall consensus, I think we both agree. I think most people will agree. Don't just sit on your money. It's it's an old school train of thought. I, I know. Maybe your grandparents or your parents tell you, you know, save every dime, don't spend it, don't invest it, just sit, sit on it, and it's going to be good. Nah, don't do that. Just educate yourself, read some books. If you can, take some courses, listen to this podcast. Yeah. There are great ways to get more knowledgeable about this stuff. So, so that's my first thing is you have money, you're saving money. What do you do with it to make more money? That's right. what you want to do. You want to make your money work for you, of not course. work for your money. That's right. Well, you probably want to work for your money in the beginning, but You'll, I mean, everyone needs to work for their money in the beginning, right? But eventually, you want to hit a point with the right 
wise investments, providing the right returns that will eventually begin to make more money for you. Exactly. Right? And that's, that's where we come along and that's yeah. where we promote real estate. That's what we think. That's what we believe in. That's right. So why don't we talk about, um, I mean, maybe I can get into the nitty gritty of, uh, of our, of my deal, my 671 deal. 671 to, in <laughs> Toronto. <laughs> that, to talk about the, the life cycle of a real estate investment and I'll, I'll maybe cut out at the certain points where it'll provide me a return. Right. So let's, this property that I was discussing, this is a, and let's assume, let's take away the joint venture for a moment. Let's assume I was a single party. We'll talk about in the joint deal. venture another time. Yeah, it gets, it starts to complicate things a little bit, but keeping things completely basic, we are looking at, we find a, for what I do at least, we find a single family home in Toronto. This is applicable to many, many, many different markets, right? But we, we have found a single family home that is in need of work. So it is undervalued assuming the value of your or the cost of your renovation is not equal to the value of your renovation, right? The value you're going to provide is going to be significantly more than the cost of the renovation. And this for, for flippers is like their bread and butter here. This is exactly what they, they operate on is buying a property undervalued, adding in some renovations and making a spread on that renovation. So what's the value percentage that you like to go for? I've heard, a lot of people like 70%, 80% to market value. 70% ARV is like a big flipper number that's tossed around, right? Yeah. It's not, that's not necessarily something that I look at specifically deal by deal. Um, that it, it needs to hit this threshold before I'll even consider it as a deal, right? Because we have a lot of different factors in our deals. It's not just the spread that I'm going to make on the renovation. It's what's the property going to be costing me, period, versus how much am I going to be renting it for? what's the monthly cash flow that I'm going to be making after that, right? So in this specific deal scenario, purchase it for six, uh, 671. We're 671. Gonna be, 671. We're, we're going to be doing a renovation that's going to cost us just shy of $50,000, right? So then our, our all-in on this is going to be in the 720 ballpark. My estimation after, after adding $50,000 worth of renovation is the property will be worth probably just shy at the time of, uh, you know, mid-next year, just shy of 800000 Right, so there is there's a spread on that. Obviously, if I'm purchasing something for 720 is my all-in cost, and I'm not factoring in financing yet here. But if 720 is my all-in cost and 800 or yeah, let's round numbers. Let's call it 800 is my what it's worth at the end of the day. I have forced value. I have made eighty thousand dollars worth of value into that property. Right now, how do I recapture that? And that's when we get into the Burr model, right? By refinancing and taking some of those funds back out. But again, that's a little bit more high level. Let's assume we don't we don't refinance, right? So we purchase this property for six seventy one. We are putting in fifty thousand dollars worth of renovation. So what is that going to cost us? Capital, cash in the bank. Uh, that's going to cost us about two hundred and twenty, two hundred and thirty thousand dollars, including only. renovations. Including the renovations. So what that's going to be costs. is your your legal fees, your your land transfer tax, which in Toronto is unfortunately double. Uh, so you have about twenty thousand dollars in land transfer tax. Uh, that's going to cost you your renovation, obviously, about $50,000 in your renovation. And the rest of that is primarily going to be the down payment. So you need 20% down payment in most structures. Obviously, you can do 5 10 15%, you know, less than 20% down payment with uh, an insured mortgage, but... Higher interest rates on that. Uh, tip, they typically end up being a little bit lower, actually, really? because the bank is insured oh, the mortgage. Okay. So the, the mortgage company is, like the mortgage holder is a little bit you know, they're, they're more protected, right? Okay. However, you do pay your, your mortgage insurance, yes, which ends what... up making that cost greater. Yeah. Like that's, your monthly that's rate is the... greater on top of the fact that your, uh, your annual, your your term. Hmm. So you're going to end up being a 25 year amortization versus a 30 year amortization when you do a 20% down. Okay. So if you're spreading your payments out over a shorter period of time, your payments are going to be higher. More, right. Yeah. And at the same time, you're putting less money down, so your balance that you're borrowing is greater. So your net so cash you flow is add all those less. together, and your cash flow is going to be minimized, yeah. right? So, so what you want you want to put twenty percent down if you can. If you can, you want to put twenty percent down. If you can't, and you can only get into a deal with five or ten percent down, and you have to live in it. Um, <laughs> then for those I, of you listening, there's yeah. a little. <laughs> I would say it is better to do a deal than not. 
but everyone's scenario, like personally, I would do a deal with yeah. five if I only had five to do a deal with, right? But that's everyone's scenario is different. Well, you've you've done deals with nothing, right? Uh, yeah, we'll get into that on another podcast as well. Yeah. That's uh, that's where for, I am. For all you know, money down investors. <laughs> um, what's okay? So we've talked about six seventy one. So I want to actually ask you. So it's six seventy one. That fifty thousand that you have for renovations. Do you include a contingency normally? Yes. Always. And what, is, what's that percentage? Uh, I usually balk it up by about 10, 10, 15%. Okay. Um, I mean, some people would say do 20 to be safe. We have a very good relationship with our contractors at this point, knowing full well, if something pops up, we're going to be, they're going to be pretty reasonable with us. Right. Um, and we're also extremely thorough when we go through a property. So we try and, uh, try and build in as much as possible, but I would never go into a property. I have never seen a renovation that hasn't gone that stayed within budget and within time it it almost never happens right because there's always unknown comes up you're never gonna have a perfect project as soon as you start opening walls up there's gonna be things behind the walls you start moving stuff stuff's gonna break time increases you know a lot of different things that can so go that's <clears throat> excuse me that's actually what uh is known as the home run is mm-hmm. when you get a project with minimal you know pop-ups yep uh things that just go your way, everything goes to plan, it gets appraised for really high value, that's your home run. And, yeah. it, and it's a little bit unrealistic to think you're going to hit a home run every time you yes. go up to bat. But if you're going up to bat and not swinging, you're never going to hit. Yep. And that's what not buying a property is, is not swinging and just walking right back to the uh, dugout mm-hmm. and waiting for your turn again and again and again, and you, you continuously not get hits. But if you swing and you hit, you're going to get a base hit, yeah. single, uh, double, triple. If you don't, yeah. if you don't swing, you're not getting anything. No, right? exactly. And swinging is just pulling the trigger. You, you got to do it. Yeah. So okay, uh, let's talk about. It. We needed what two twenty? I said to do this deal. Yes. Uh, all in. So again, two twenty is not a small number. How many right? partners do you have for this? There's three of us in total. Okay. Right. So different and varying percentages. Right. Because I just became uh, a full time realtor fairly recently. It's very difficult for me as an individual to get financing right now because I am self-employed, yes. right? So I, I need to I need to leverage the assistance of others to allow me to qualify for financing or for them to qualify for financing and for me to take a portion of the deal. Again, a little bit more high level there. But let's assume 220 all in, property's going to be worth 8 at the end of the day. So you you made a little bit of a spread on that on that um, on that purchase in your re- in your renovation. That is what I would consider more of an active income. That's not necessarily the passive income that I usually look at for my uh, for my investment portfolio. However, it's not something I'm going to turn down, right? That's that's going to allow me to take more money out of the property faster to then leverage into another property and continue to grow a portfolio. So for the rest of this deal, after the renovations are complete, right, we're then going to go ahead and rent out the property. In this one, we're going to be converting into a Four-bedroom apartment on the top floor and main floor together. Uh, Four-bedroom, two-bathroom with ensuite laundry. And the basement is going to be a two-bedroom apartment with uh, one bathroom, ensuite laundry. And then we have three parking at the property as well that oh, we're nice. likely going to split up. Two upstairs, one yeah, for the basement guy. Makes sense. Right? Are you, gonna, so, are you charging more for the parking too? Uh, we usually, ju- like I will throw it in, but I, I mean, I throw it in and I, I increase the build, rent. exactly, yeah. I build that into the rents, right? Parking is a bit of a hot commodity in Toronto as, yeah, as many sure. people know, right? So it's, I'm not ridiculous with it. I'm, I'm more focused on putting a quality, a very high quality tenant into my property that's going to be low headache, low turnover, that's just very good for the property. And your background in property management. And, it does help. Uh, yeah, that all helps. Yeah. Property management and leasing for quite a while. It's uh, it helps weed out. You learn after a while exactly. how to weed out the right and the wrong people, right? Yeah, you get to meet a lot of people, and you know when someone's bullshitting you, or yeah, well, yeah. you know, there are a lot of people do put on a show. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah, you Nick, have, Nick so will come on Toronto. one day and tell you guys a story. I don't know. <laughs> I'll, well, that's a bit of a. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm that's not ultra gonna explicit thing. dark content. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> we won't go there yet. No, we won't scare anybody off. Just this. <laughs> We get great, good tenants. Yeah, we get good tenants. Well, that just happened too. Uh, a lot of people come to us again and say, yeah. you know what, this was this was a bad experience for us. We put in bad tenants. Not yeah. us, we, mm-hmm. them themselves put yes. in bad tenants because they didn't know what to look for. Yeah. But once you when you do it every single day for years and you have people uh, yeah. around you doing it Eventually, every single day. Eventually, your bullshit detector is just Yeah, you're just point. like, you know what, maybe this person who shows they make... <laughs> 
whatever it is yeah. doing whatever they do isn't really telling the truth. Maybe that guy with a 901 credit score is kind of lying. That could <laughs> be photoshopped. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you get that. Yeah. So so that's something to know and just going forward. Yeah. Anyways, let's get back to this. So we're going to end up renting the property for more or less 5000 in total. Uh, likely going to go 16 to the basement, 34 upstairs, something in that ballpark, right? We, we, I mean, I do mine as, as all inclusives. A lot of people will, will break out the utilities separately. Since I do mine as all inclusives, I need to then budget. So if my gross income from the property monthly is five grand, I wish I had a whiteboard to explain this better, but if my gross income is five grand and I have to budget for utilities, let's call that 500 bucks a month. So I'm down to 4,500. I know my insurance is typically going to be about a hundred bucks a month on the high end 150. So we'll, <coughs> excuse me. We'll we'll knock off another another one fifty. So what are we at forty three fifty there? The property taxes for a lot of these properties aren't going to be more than two hundred and fifty bucks a month. So we're at forty one hundred, and I've got to budget in a little bit for repairs, maintenance. Yeah. Some people will budget for property management. Thankfully, we manage our own. So I'd budget in another two hundred bucks a month on the light end for pro- for uh, for repairs and maintenance, knowing what that we just redid the entire property. And either I have budgeted for the large capital expenditures ahead of time, like my windows, my roof, my HVAC, all that stuff, or I've repaired it in my initial initial renovation. So my my maintenance budget is going to be very fairly low on a monthly basis. So we're at about what thirty nine hundred bucks a month in uh, in income, at less all of our non fixed expenses, and then we have our mortgage. Right, this isn't a property that we bought all cash and buying a property where you could get bank financing all cash is not something I would typically recommend. Every investor scenario is different, but using the bank's leverage is a wise thing to do, in my opinion. Leveraging yes. is always a wise Especially thing Especially when the rates are very low. Oh, Depends okay. on your state. Not, not right? always. I yeah, if, I, if I'm leveraging 99%. my credit cards to buy a property, yeah, with, if I'm planning on holding leverage. that for a long time, that might be real expensive. Yes. In this scenario, though, bank Proper rates, leveraging is always yes, a wise, good idea. Wise, wise leveraging is good. It helps you grow that's very how, quickly. That's you how know, Warren Buffett and all these people made a lot of money. Is yeah. Knowing where to scale. put money. And, yeah. Definitely helps the scale. So we're, yeah, 3900 bucks a month. Uh, I think we got a pretty good rate at like two seven four or something really? like that. Yeah, whoa. Uh, one year fixed, so our refinance period is likely going to be after the okay, after so the one year fixed bit, is up. That's fine. Um, and that's because of fees. To yes, exactly. So because it is it. fixed uh, versus variable, that's why we're waiting. We'll probably likely wait the whole year. It's not typically worth it to to break a fixed. The fees on variable are usually significantly smaller in three years interest penalty or three months, three years, <laughs> three years suck. Whoa. Uh, three, three months interest penalty. So uh, yeah, I mean a few thousand bucks, right. And if I'm going to recapture 80, then a few thousand bucks is worth it. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, we'll just wait the year. Won't pay any fees. We'll go refinance at that point. Um, but our mortgage payment will, should be in the ballpark of like 2,400 bucks a month okay, with, so- uh, with that. So what are we at? 39, Less our 24, that leaves us with 1500 bucks a month, right? So that 1500 bucks a month net cash flow, no, I'm not going to start talking about taxes. That's another whole episode in its own, right? Yes. Um, but that 1500 bucks a month net cash flow was made off of that 200 and some thousand dollar investment, right? So that's going to be eh, shy of a 10% return. Let's call it a 7% return. I'm totally ballparking I'll right now. right now quickly. All right, we got the kids' quick math so it's skills. So yeah, two twenty, and our total annual uh, eighteen thousand dollar income, and that's pretty conservative. I like to run our rents very conservatively, so, so that that's we can around eight percent plus. Okay, so if you're getting eight percent returns, and this is only on the cash flow the property is generating after all expenses are paid, and considering part of that is also paying down your mortgage, right? Yeah, um, which is which is a large chunk of that is paying off yourself. You're all, exactly, you're, you're, you're putting, putting it into the back. piggy bank, yeah. basically. So that's what we're not that's doing. Some, it. That's a concept that a your, lot of people your don't tenants understand are doing too, it right? for you. So exactly. let's I'll dump into that in a second. So you have yeah eight percent returns cash on cash. So just your cash flow, uh, which is I mean a, equivalent just in that aspect to a stock market, right? Something along those yeah. lines. A good stock market. That's just paying you yeah pretty pretty highly. Yeah. And, and stock markets take some of that, right? Yeah, exactly. There's no exactly. Or, there's no Murphys. So like there's no, no uh, management expense ratios that. Some some trader is going to be taking from you or in in a mutual fund or something like that, right? Um, 
So we'll call it again, we'll call it 8% quick math. Uh, and then you're also paying down your mortgage. In this scenario, you start on the higher end, like so some of it goes to principal and some of it goes to paying the bank their interest, right? Usually it's about 50-50 as you get close, you know, the more you pay down, the higher your principal gets paid. Um, so for about two grand a month, then we're 2,400 bucks a month, we're about 1,200 bucks a month is gonna be paid towards principal. Very similar, so let's call it six or 7% interest, or sorry, say a six or 7% return just on paying down your, your mortgage pay down there. So we have what right now we're at about a 15% return. Yeah. We haven't even discussed something called appreciation, right? Which is, that is the largest portion in many cases. And a lot of people invest speculatively, let's call it in condos, for example, right? I'm going to buy a pre-construction condo and I know it's going to be increasing in value. I know big air quotes there it's going to be increasing in value before it's the before the building is complete right in the case that that doesn't increase in value let's call it it goes net zero it doesn't go up it doesn't go down you've locked up 200 grand in a condo for four or five years before it was built and you got paid nothing right so that the the appreciation i like to put as the icing on the cake right I, I personally would not advise, unless, again, this fits in your model, to invest strictly for appreciation. And this is where a lot of people get caught up in a lot of markets, Toronto especially, a lot of flippers, um, or even home buyers get caught up assuming that a property is always going to appreciate, right? It's not always the case. People talk about the bubble bursting and all those things. I, I'm not going to say the bubble is going to burst anytime soon. However, I like to know that my properties having provide providing such a high cash flow are hedged against something like that. So in the case that let's say the market tanks 10%, my rents aren't going to go down. Rent rents are are very rarely go down and they if anything they will stagnate. So I know current situation this property is going to be paying me 1500 bucks a month. If it doesn't go up, if it does go down, I don't need to sell it, right? I just hold on. I don't need to refinance it. I'm going to hold on and I'm still going to get my 15% return. Now let's say the property does go up in value. I know last year in Toronto we had very after the 2017 hit we had a very modest 3% year over year 3.7 something like that year over year increase. Let's say you have a 10% year over year like some of these other markets, right? Yeah. My $800,000 property in a, in a year is going to go up $80,000. Uh, again, I'm spitballing numbers here. But if I my property goes up $80,000 in a year, that's 10% based on the $800,000 the property is worth. The money that I've put into the property is not $800,000. And this is where leverage is beautiful, right? I'm not buying the property for all cash $800,000 no. because then that would be a true 10% return. However, I've leveraged it five times. So I'm, if I'm putting 20% down on a property, I've leveraged five times my, my initial investment to my the appreciation. So a I mean, again, quick numbers, but a 10% appreciation on 20% down on a property investment would typically end up turning into a 50% appreciation. Yep. Hopefully everyone's following me. One day I'll do this on a big whiteboard to help explain and everything. And we're going to break this down too in, in separate episodes and, yeah. and kind of dive into detail on certain things. This is more of an overview. Yes, uh, super high level. This is something level. that's happening right now, just quick on the topic. Yeah. The A good thing is where we... Uh, choose to buy properties and invest mm -hmm. they're usually the areas that appreciate the quickest the fastest in the city so it, it won't be an area that's already very mature where you have those expensive uh, prices already yes. they're usually lower areas uh, lower um, lower priced areas lower, lower, yeah yeah right beside the areas that are really mm -hmm. that are really high or really nice or just caught up to the trend especially and with a like with a city like toronto right where exactly. you have these almost these rings of pricing flowing from the core of the city we like to kind of follow that wave and stay on the outskirts of the ring so that we know we're in that next upcoming ring of appreciation where where you see buildings getting gentrified mm -hmm. very quickly and I, I mean even the area that we're in right now oakwood, uh, oakwood village yeah you're, you're seeing that really quick right now right here mm -hmm. like it's dated day-to-day -day differences yep. i mean a year ago to today there's big differences yeah if you have a if you have a market that the you know you have two two vastly different price points in a property let's call it a you've got your forest hill four million dollar house versus you have your 
Oakwood Village, $671,000 house. There are... <laughs> there's very few people in that are going to be able to afford that $4 million house. Therefore, your demand is greatly diminished. And then if you're buying on, I'm not going to say the bottom end because the bottom end of a market... So, I mean, I'm not talking about sketchy, war zone kind of neighborhoods, right? But the entry-level price points are where a very vast majority of the buyers are right now, right? Creating a demand in that space, meaning that is the space that is likely the, the ripest for appreciation. Uh, again, never really a guaranteed thing, but... This is basic economics, yes. basic supply and demand. Exactly. So, I mean, talking, circling back now, if I have a... Let's let's dumb it down and say a 5% year-over-year appreciation. I think that's fairly modest for a city like Toronto in an area that we're going to be investing in. If I've got a 15% return on the two things, being my cash flow and my uh, my paydown, I'm going to be having a 25% return. Again, that's uh, a 5% leverage times 5 because of my, ca- my cash into the property. Turning it into a 40% ROI, return on your investment, for... Uh, yeah, for, for buying a property that's covering itself, right? Comparing, I mean, we're, you're not recapturing all of that right away, of course. That's going to be net worth growth uh, instead of, uh, you know, cash flow just to pay pay your monthly expenses. But over time, as these things look at a 40% ROI annually, compounded year over year as you own these properties, and you're going to be growing a portfolio with that additional growth, that can really, really, really start to gener- generate some huge wealth. Right, and that's that's the whole goal in all of this. Yeah. Now, I, I want to kind of divert away from the numbers right now. Cool. I mean, we we got into it. You can tell how excited you are talking <laughs> about your project. I can do that all day. Yeah, you know, you know, you hit a good hit with this one. Yep. Let's let's kind of dive back and and explain some of the more uh, simple terms for everybody. Mm-hmm. Where we can do we can do the numbers on another episode and get them down, go a little bit slower and dive into it. But for now, let's uh, let's bring it back to the basement. So. Uh, why invest in real estate? That was that was an overview of analytically what? why to do it. Yeah, you know the numbers behind everything numerically. Mm-hmm. But now let's uh, talk about the uh, qualitative stuff. Right. Okay. So I mean, I think the the biggest one for me personally, and I think this is uh, this stands true for a lot of people. Uh, really, all the all the finance numbers stem back to freedom. Right. What does you know, passive cash flow provide you. It provides you the ability to eventually wake up in the morning and decide what you want to do with your day. Do I want to go to work? Do I want to work on a passion project? Do I, you know, do I want to go hit that hit that grind day to day in uh, in a company working for someone else that maybe I'm not so happy with, but I need to pay the bills? Or do I want to be able to work on something that I'm truly passionate about, but maybe isn't the most income generating activity, but could be helping the world? Exactly. Or do you want to just be on a boat with your family having fun? Well, honestly, that's what retirement is to me. I I Mm -hmm. keep saying this goal of retiring early. Yep. That's not, that doesn't mean I'm going to be on a boat for for myself. It means I can focus every single day, not on making money. That's just the cherry on top. I mean, early on in your career, for most people later on in their career, you're trying to just generate wealth every day. You go to work, you clock in, you get your paycheck. What I want to do and what retirement is to me is having the money, having the background, and having the assets that I can pursue any dream I've always had since I was a kid. I can yes. open up that business one year with all the cash flow from yep. my properties. I could uh, refinance a property and take on a bigger project. I yep. can do other things, maybe get into buying buildings or mm-hmm. developing. These are all down the road. That's what quote-unquote retirement is for me. It's, it's not yeah. actually retiring. I want to keep working. I, I enjoy what I do. Yeah. This is fun for me. Absolutely. And I think going forward, it's just going to be more fun. Yep. The more, the so more it, assets It we removes hold. stress from it the does. entire equation, it right? Does. When you know you have that passive income coming in. Not your first property, though. Your first property usually yeah, it can is, be pretty stressful. is a little stressful. That, Maybe that's what second. we're here for, though, right? Exactly. And that's why, you. you know, going forward, your fourth or fifth, you have property management. You have other people looking after your properties, your babies, literally yeah. your babies. Yeah. And uh, your, your wealth generators and Going forward, that's when the stress goes away. Once you get more comfortable with the process, you sit down with professionals like us, discuss what's happening, why it's happening, so you're not left confused or scared. Yeah. That's when the stress goes away, and you actually realize you were 
a lot more stressed before you got into this lifestyle. Yeah. And that's oh, what happens. God, yeah. I yeah. mean, that was that was a very it's a very defining line for myself as well, right? Once once getting in knowing knowing full well ahead of time that hey, this is going to be my ticket to to freedom, to happiness, to security. Um once things got started and then once, you know, leaving the 9 to 5, the dirty JOB finally <laughs> was uh was a huge, huge weight off, right? But yeah, no, I mean, like we said, freedom freedom is huge. The the ability to just kind of wake up in the morning, do what you want, when you want, with, you know, because you have that passive income coming in and because you have that passive wealth being generated over time through your properties also provides you security. Security is a big thing too. Yeah. I mean, with stock markets, I think... You technically, if you're if you're investing in a portfolio, you won't see too many fluctuations because no. you hedge against that. That's the whole point. That's of the point, doing of, point of a portfolio. Yes, yeah. but you can see a little bit more stalling, or you don't get the you don't get the uh, rewards you do from real estate, especially with refinancing. Yes, is, is the big ticket item yep. of real estate. Another thing is that's why we choose Toronto. Um, a lot of the areas around Toronto are really good too. However, industries in those areas aren't as strong as in Toronto. And then I don't want to say never, but it's going to it's going to take a while for them to it's going to take a while for Toronto to grow to that level. I mean, yeah. I, I believe in 20, 50 years down the road, Toronto will probably touch Hamilton. They will be all developed. I, mm-hmm. In my opinion, I, I don't see what else will happen. I yep. could see uh, from Waterloo to Toronto all being developed, pretty much yeah. developed. I mean, I hope they develop it properly, leaving in parks, leaving in forests okay. and whatnot. And I, I believe they will. You won't see, what is it, Jakarta right now is sinking. Because if you look at a... If you look at an overview of Jakarta, it is actually all concrete, all building, and oh, it's pretty much side. below. Yeah, pretty much below. If you want to look on YouTube, uh, look up Jakarta's sinking right now. It's crazy. I've watched a couple hours worth of videos. I was wow. shocked. There's people living right beside a seawall, like in parts of the States right now. Right. And uh, it's not looking too good for Jakarta. I think it's something like one third or two thirds of the city could be underwater in a handful of years. Holy shit. Yeah, it, it's scary. That's actually the capital right now. They're moving it to another city and sorry, I cannot remember the name right now, <laughs> but I'm not I'm not, you know, that adept in, yeah. into geography. This isn't a geography podcast. No, but it's something that being in real estate, yeah. uh, that you look for. I, I always like developments too. That's something that just uh, catches catches me. Mm-hmm. And I think Toronto's done so far a good job at developing. I think oh, also that project along the uh, tracks downtown. Uh, do you, have you heard about it? It's called City Park. I oh yes, you yeah, know what yeah. It's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a however Finding many kilometers. Finding green space where they can, basically. Exactly, right? and I think that's going to help out the city. We'll have our own central park practically. Yeah. And it's going to be something really cool, and I hope they keep taking these initiatives. So, mm-hmm. back to our security standpoint, I love Toronto in that sense. Is yes. that you have so many immigrants coming here? The industries are strong, jobs are strong. The city's looking good right now. People need a place to live. And people need a place to right? live. People and are always going to need a place to live. And, and like what you said, people afford the lower end of the budget more than the higher end. So, yes. so there are people buying $4 million properties, especially in Toronto, because mm-hmm. it's, you know, why wouldn't you? If you have the money, that's great. Awesome. But there are a lot more people buying the 400, 500, 600, yeah. 700, 800, And I mean, think of uh, in the, in the case of that, that's, that's a good number, guys. In the case of a downturn as well, right? Thinking, think of that specific asset class being in the entry-level price point. Those people at the $4 million properties, the $5 million, the $6 million, when the economy starts to turn and tank, what are the things that you, you cut out the luxuries, right? The luxuries are, are what cut, gets cut out first. And a lot of those people, people in the upper echelon of the purchase prices are going to start turning back and going down a little bit, creating an even greater demand on that lower entry-level price point type of property. It's the same idea with, um, with vacation rentals and va- vacation rental investments and things. When, a, when an, uh, a market turns or an economy turns, what, again, vacations are one of those one of those luxuries that you can cut out of your uh, your life very easily. And those types of investments may not perform so well. We kind of operate in the very bread and butter, long-term rental, not Airbnb type of stuff um, that that someone's always going to need, right? Very, very secure type of investments. And it's unfortunate that this happens. I mean, in a sense, I think we are in a dog-eat-dog world, and it's always been that way. And 
I, I believe it'll always be that way to think mm-hmm. otherwise is probably a little bit naive. You've probably been watching too much Disney or whatever it is. Princesses, Moana, by the way, my favorite movie. Great Disney movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> Anyways, this is a real world. I mean, you have lions killing zebras. This is happening. Bears maul people. Sometimes, rarely, but it happens. Maul deers, whatever. What happens in economic yeah, What happens in economic downturns and you see it, the rich buy all the properties that mm-hmm. people can't afford anymore. There's a reason for that. They wouldn't do that if it was a bad investment. Yep. As soon as prices dip, unfortunately, the more well-off will spend their money that they've saved and money that they've invested into more properties because yeah. they know that once it corrects itself, they're going to be laughing. In very good shape. And, and they'll likely be buying them from the people that over-leverage themselves during the high, the hot market when people thought you could just make money forever, right? Yes. And this has happened a few times in our in our history, but again, not an economy lesson either but uh yeah maybe i can i can start an economics spot. i there don't want to do that honestly uh probably there's better people to do that than me <laughs> economics with a realtor i'm a realtor <laughs> <laughs> for those of you listening i think we talked yeah, about it i'm wearing a realtor shirt, shirt. yeah it's it's pretty nice you can get yours now for 40 dollars. i just made that up maybe i'll <laughs> they, sell it they will be on spiro's website by the end of the night <laughs> yeah check out my website spirovisauce.com <laughs> they won't be on by the end of the night but no. Uh, who knows? I'm sure maybe one person will want one. Your mom. Thanks, mom. Yeah. Again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's continue. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've covered the basics pretty good here. Uh, we've got our, our freedom, our security, our cash flow every month. The, the other biggest generator being your long-term wealth creation by owning real estate. Like I was talking about earlier, let's, let's call it a 40% uh, – 40% return on your investment with um, within, again, we're talking about one year here with one property. Now imagine compounding that over the course of even 10 years, what that's going to be worth. And uh, over 10 properties times 10 years, or even five properties times 10 years, right? That is a massive amount of wealth that can be made with very, very little time investment. Yes, the initial capital is, is going to be large, but as you grow that first property, that can be refinanced and utilized to grow more and more and more properties. Over, I mean, by that's that's real long-term generational wealth that you can be building through a, a compounded return and again secured to very real assets. Uh, and the, these are the types of things that are going to be paying for retirement. They're going to be paying for kids' education. They're going to be paying for Phil Sweet McLaren. Uh, a, one day. <laughs> We're not there yet, guys, Phil's but, Gary but, but one day, these are the kinds of things that currently pay for Phil's Gary V's, the cash flow, that is. Spiro's shirts. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> these are the things that will happen. Yeah. I actually want to touch on something right now quickly. I want to smack the table and screw the mics up again, too? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so what I hear a lot, and then this, again, comes from my demographic, my age range, uh, you know, 20 to 30, mid-30s, mm-hmm. is... I could afford a property in a different city. So right. let's say outskirts of Toronto or two, three, four hours away. Right. Which are mainly in university towns. That's great. I, I, I would never talk bad about that because I honestly believe in it too. I'm mm-hmm. not going to say don't do it. I'm going to say, however, there are other options like you said, joint ventures. Yeah. They're a really, really good way of getting your piece of the pie in Toronto. So... I don't want to talk about the nitty gritty of that right now. I don't want to dive too deep into it. We'll leave that for a later podcast. But just keep in mind that there are ways to do it with less money currently. Yeah. So you could dive in and buy those properties, which, again, go for it. I'm not stopping you. I think it's a good job. Like, it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not saying it's not. But it could be a better idea in Toronto. For the factors that we talked about, hedging, the city itself, Rents, rents, or rent, rents you know. rise in Toronto at least for the past few years and currently very rapidly. We're talking about 10% year over year growth for the past few years. Like, what could you get for a single bedroom here? Like, my, my lowest basement. basement entry level, we're talking about 1400 bucks. That's lowest, right? That's right. that's our very entry level basement apartment, and we have basements that are renting for 18 plus, right? And the and this, I'm sure there's more renting for higher in the core of the city, right? Oh, yeah. And and that's just basements. I mean, yeah. 
other apartments. Our main floor one bedrooms are starting at eighteen hundred bucks, right? Where our three and four bedrooms are north of three grand. So you don't find that usually in in the in the uh, university towns. You'll find you know, depending on where you are, four hundred dollars a room uh, to you know three three fifty four hundred dollars a room to the higher end eight hundred dollars a room. Right. That's that's pretty high end. I, I, you know, I'm sure there are some touching a little higher that are extremely high end, mm-hmm. but that's that's where you're you're kind of going. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, I mean, it's, go for the it. Purchase prices are lower too, right? So I mean, yeah. it's the the math is certainly there. The cash um, flows good. The cash flows cash are flows great. Really good. The the thing again about about the Toronto market just being if I if I need less doors to accomplish my financial goals, that's less that's far less management. Yes, that's. Less more risk. freedom. That's less risk. That's less time. That's less tenants that I need to deal with. That's less toilets that I need to deal with. I mean, it could be it could be a good way to hedge your risk too. I don't want to say it's less risk, yeah. and then people say, "Well, technically, mm. I'm I'm diversifying, whatever." Right. It, it, I guess it, it does diversify, but at a university town, those are more risky. That's why you don't see a lot of people. Well, you do see a lot of people buying them, but some that's guys why you're killing it. it. Some guys are killing. My, shout out to my friend Marco Agbaba. He's killing it right now. Check yeah. out his YouTube channel. He's doing really well. It's white, where is he? He's in Windsor, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing really well. Went to school with him. Uh, really smart guy. You know, feel free. Check him out. I'm giving him a shout out right now. <laughs> Marco did not pay us for this shout out. No. But next time. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to actually coming, have him Marco. on one day, too. Uh, I want to have him on. He'll, he'll talk about his whole burr investment process mm-hmm. and, and how he does it. I mean, you can check out, again, uh, his videos. And we're also going to be having a few more guests coming on shortly. Yeah. Um, we can dive into that another time. I mean, when they're here. Yeah. Don't want to say it right now, but we have a few guests coming on. They can tell you from their experience, uh, they're industry professionals, or they have experience investing, or they know a lot of investors, yeah. or they're business people. Everyone's There's- got a different, uh, a lot of people have a different strategy. Everyone has a different story. What got them into it? What drives them? So I think we will be definitely bringing on many different investors and industry professionals in the in the near future to, to kind of help educate uh, as well as ourselves. So last week, we also went to uh, Galleria on the Park. I believe that's what yeah, it's called, right? That's yeah, that's Galleria on the Park. That's a big development that Huge is going to be massive for the, the city as well as the area in which that we are we are investing. I mean, I'm, they're, they're basically, uh, I'd consider it one of the, or soon to be next city place kind of size. Yeah, and the parks around, there was that, I don't know how many kilometers stretch of parks that five. they're building. Was it five, five kilometers? Yeah. The city's building that, yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's not even part of the development. It's just yeah. part of the city's plan. And a five kilometer stretch amazing. of interconnected green space. I love it. That Galleria, I've, I grew up in that area, yeah. um, that McDonald's there. That I used to go to the Planet Fitness there yeah. back in the day. The lady that runs the drive through at the McDonald's are so nice. They are so <laughs> nice. <laughs> they love my sister there. Yeah. Yeah, for some reason. Weird, but okay. Yeah. Weird flex. Weird flex. <laughs> shout out to Trisha. I'm just giving <laughs> shout outs to everybody. Who else should I shout out? Nobody. McDonald's lady. Scott That's McGilvery. <laughs> <laughs> Marco Ogbaba. My sister. But... Galleria is looking to be something fierce. It's what twenty acre plot of land. They've got an eight tower development coming up, uh, ninety five thousand square foot community center, including things like daycare, which is massively important. One of in, the biggest in, in community centers in the city. Yeah, it'll be state of the art. Uh, three kilometers of green space, and this is the first time I've actually heard. And I'm sure there are other buildings doing it, but it's the first time I've heard of uh, an entire development. Every unit they're building with smart home technology, which I think is super cool. That's, what, is, you, that's uh, what you have to be doing. Yeah. Nowadays, nowadays mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it, it's just cool to see where the industry is going. Right? The price point was also what it was a thousand per square foot in, in and around. I think they said they started at nine sixty five. Went up um, to as much as eleven hundred. Yeah, but they were. I mean, they were more or less sold out of phase one already at this point. Within days, pretty pretty close to sold out. Of I mean, we went to out. the opening event and. There was like four thousand agents. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> and they were they were turning them out. I've never been to a you know a condo opening event and had a bouncer had to cut people <laughs> off and have a lineup outside by the time that we were leaving to do a round two. The it amount was, of Mercedes and oh yeah, BMWs. The, the Mercedes per square inch, per square kilometer in that area, <laughs> I've never seen in my life. <laughs> I felt like I was slumming it. Mercedes per square kilometer. Yeah, that's a new stat. Exactly. That's how you know how wealthy a neighborhood is. <laughs> Oh, not bad. Actually, that's something I do look for I, when I when I do show clients. Mm. I always take a look at the cars. I mean, it might not be, you know, 
don't judge me. I'm not, I'm not trying to be prejudiced or no, it's a, it's a good indicator but of wealth in the yeah, neighborhood you or see a, disposable yeah, income. You see a good car. It. it doesn't have to be a Mercedes. It could be a nice Toyota. Mm-hmm. It could just be well-kept car, well-kept lawn. That's something to look for. Yeah. Random tip. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. No, in our, uh, I mean, across the street from one of our, one of our clients. And again, this is in a $671,000 neighborhood. 671? <laughs> across the street from one of our properties around there, one of our clients' properties, sorry. Neighbor, neighbor's got a GTR and an M4. He doesn't even have a garage, <laughs> but he's got a GTR and M4, That's so he dope. must be all right. Pretty dope. I'd be friends with him. So it's in the use now, as we touched on. Yeah, we told we touched on Khloe Kardashian. Khloe Kardashian, <laughs> the <laughs> most humble. The most humble. It? No, the most um, down to earth. Down to earth. The most down to earth of the Kardashian like sisters, apparently, says Blog Tio. Yeah, something like that. Uh, I don't know how they know. I don't. But know. But I think I, I know. I think media. I have a good. I think I have a good sense. I think she. She looks like the most down to. She seems chill. Yeah. Does she? I don't know. Who really knows? I don't know. But more entertaining than that, September twenty first, and my wife's gonna love this. We've got a Harry Potter bar crawl. What? I what? <laughs> Muggles and wizards and witches and Wingardium Leviosas and beer. Uh, yeah, they've got a downtown entertainment district, like a four bar crawl. Different kinds of Harry Potter themed things, a Yule Ball themed after party. A Yule Ball, like you probably don't even know what I'm talking about. You guys are a I bunch of nerds. So hyped! We have a we have a wand like from Harry Potter World on our mantle at home. Oh, like, nice. We're, we're real nerdy. Hey, I like I like Harry Potter. I'm not I'm not putting it down, but you still we're next a nerd. level. Yeah, I, know. I think I'm a nerd too. But I'm definitely I mean, nerd. That's pretty. Nerdy. There's no world where I'm not a nerd. I also might be attending that event though. It sounds pretty. Yeah, we'll have to get lit with wands and. Potter things. Butter beer. Yeah. What is, so, okay, so that's something, some, somebody told me about this. That was a big part of Harry Potter. I don't know why I don't remember butter beer. Oh. I also yeah. binge watched it. It's just, the, I think it's the easiest back. thing that can be converted into a Harry Potter themed something else. What, what was it? It was what they drank world. at Hogwarts, right? Or something like it, that. It's somewhere. Yeah. At the uh, bars. In Hogwarts. Yeah, I don't know. Would they be called Wars? Wizard Wars? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> okay, I think we've gone on long enough. Yes, uh, I think you guys tolerated us for for, for enough time. Yeah. yeah, hopefully you actually got something valuable out of this one, and you know didn't just learn about the most humble, down to earth of the Kardashian <laughs> sisters. And you've mainly focused on six seventy one property in Toronto. It's not every property, folks. I mean, I'm gonna have all uh, every client's gonna come to me now, being everyone in the world is gonna be like, I, oh my god, you can buy a property for six seventy one. Six seventy one. That's it. I want it to be turnkey, and no. I want it to have four bedrooms and three bathrooms and be detached. Yeah, and be on you know Indian. And village, you're gonna say, Indian keep growth. drinking your. Butterbeer, <laughs> expelliosis, whatever. Expelliarmus, bro. I don't know what these. God, I need uh, a new co-host. I speak English. Jesus. All right, you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Uh, you can check us out on uh, our different social media platforms. Check me out on LinkedIn, Spiro Vicellis, uh, Instagram. Uh, what else am I on? I'm on everything. All the Facebook, social media. Just look uh, up Spiro Vicellis. Spiro Vicellis. Social media. Com. <laughs> That's probably the best way. I actually updated my picture. Oh, pretty, pretty, yeah, it is. Cute. It is a pretty fly uh, self. It, yeah. You know, whatever. That it's is. also Headshot. very close up. My first one. You'll see. It's a mm. little bit. I don't know. Let me know what you, you see think. Deep into the pores. Yeah, I, I'm sure uh, from your earlier comment, like the three minute mark, I'm gonna get ripped on this podcast. <laughs> I already feel it coming. <laughs> but whatever, guys. Uh, I, also, I'm a realtor. You if you that. didn't know, <laughs> just in case you were yeah. unsure, the marketing is real. He is a realtor and a marketer, supposedly. And, a, and a, I guess yeah, gotta be a little bit of both. Thanks, Gary V. Yeah. So where can they find you? Uh, I mean, Phil at socialmedia.com. Just look up Phil, and Phil, he Phil, might be there. I know you might find a doctor instead. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you might find an uncle even. Um, Phil Gardner. I mean, Facebook, on LinkedIn, YouTube, etc philg.re on instagram and then fill in the kid on instagram and everywhere else all right fill in the kid that's it bam we're done you can find us on youtube itunes podcast google play podbean stitcher and soundcloud make sure to comment like subscribe and share if you enjoy the podcast